This is your host, Mary Swafield, and welcome to the Wedpreneur Podcast. Join me and my guests each week as I take a deep dive into wedding business best practices, examine challenges facing our industry, and interview wedding industry experts and thought leaders who will share their strategies for taking your wedding business to the next level. Whether you're new in the industry or a seasoned pro, each episode is filled with valuable information aimed to help you build and grow the wedding business that you are dreaming about. I'm ready if you are, so let's get started. Hello, Wedpreneurs, and welcome to this edition of the Smart Business for Wedding Pros podcast. I am your host, Mary Swafield, and I am so excited to share this interview with you today. Today, I'm inter- interviewing Alexa Critis, and Alexa is a freelance wedding coordinator who works with luxury wedding professionals when they need a trusted assistant planner or coordinator to step in. And I think this is just such a brilliant business model, and I can't wait to share her story with you. So here's her official bio. Um, Over the past 10 plus years, Alexa has worked for companies of all sizes from being the right hand to a one woman show all the way through working on a large team for a big corporation. Her formal training includes a BBA in management and event planning from LIM College, which is a business fashion school in New York City. Early in her career, she spent time freelancing for New York City wedding planners before taking on a full-time position at the O Palm Beach Resort and Spa as their wedding coordinator. Currently, Alexa divides her time between her wedding planning company, Long Isle Events, which caters to creative brides in the Tampa Bay area, and freelancing as a luxury wedding planner across the country. Whether it's remote or on-site wedding coordination, running the ceremony, the rehearsal, or being the bride's assistant, there is no job too big or small for Alexa. I cannot wait for you to hear her story. It is a true story of entrepreneurship and really identifying a gap in the market and creating a business to fill it. I don't want to give it all away too soon. So without further ado, let's get to the show. Alexa, welcome to the Smart Business for Wedding Pros podcast. Hi, thank you so much. I'm super excited for you to be here because I think that you have a really unique story and a really unique place in the industry. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to share with you and your listeners um, a little bit about myself and what I do and, and how I got here. Well, why don't we start with that? So I gave your official bio at the beginning of the show, but I would love it if you can sort of share in your own words who you are, what you do in the industry and your story. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to share. So um, I've been working in the wedding industry since I was in middle school. I was working for a bridal salon. I saw it on my ride to middle school every single day. And I started working there just like part-time after school. And across the street from there, there was a wedding planner. um, And this was up on Long Island in New York. I now um, am based out of Tampa, Florida, but um, started working with her um, through high school and even when I was in college. So I've been working in the wedding industry for like over 10 years now. Um, Went to school to do like fashion and then realized that like being a buyer is not um, all tracked up to be. So I was still working for the wedding planner, um, on the weekends during my summer breaks and, but still felt this like obligation to work in the fashion industry. So after I had graduated from school, I was like, I still, I, I, 
I still want to do weddings. I love doing weddings and events. So I was working my fashion job nine to five, Monday through Friday, and then freelancing for other wedding planners, um, during the nights and on the weekends, because they were like, well, we can't hire you full time, but you know, do this event with us here, do this event with us here. So I basically been laying the foundation for my business way before I even knew it could be a business, which now that I look back on it, I'm like, wow, this is what I wanted all. I was doing it and had no idea. Um, I have this little sign in my office that says, create what you wish existed. And I literally have been doing that for the past five, six, seven years. So, um, the way that I was finding those planners was cold calling them or cold emailing them. I, I got a Martha Stewart wedding magazine, um, and literally was just like, Hey, really love what you do. Can I work with you? And that is actually still my method to this day. Um, I have grabbed the Martha Stewart's best Vogue Harper's Bazaar, all of the like top 10, top 25, top 100 wedding planners in the country. And that's how I find my clients, which I know is not for everybody. And you have to be okay with the not getting answers or people saying no, but if you don't try, then how will you ever know that it works? So, um, that's a little bit on how, um, I find my clients and my clients find me, um, which well, I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later, but, um, Fast forward a little bit, um, how I landed in Tampa was uh, I had taken a job at the O Palm Beach Resort and Spa, which was a former Ritz Carlton in Palm Beach, um, was a wedding coordinator there, met my now fiance. He was like, hey, do you want to move to Tampa? So we moved to Tampa about two years ago, and I very quickly realized um, first starting in the New York market, then moving to the Palm Beach Boca market, that Tampa has a very, very different um, client with a very different budget. So I was turning my wheels and I'm like, I'm not getting for my planning company that I had started, I'm not getting the same type of brides with the 50, 60, 70, $80,000 budgets that I was used to. I come over to Tampa and they're like, I have a 10, $20,000 budget. And I'm like, I don't know if spinning my wheels, doing planning is what's going to get me to where I want to be. So then I went back to my roots. I went back to where I started with freelancing. And I've now realized that there is a huge, huge market for that. So I still take um, local brides and grooms in the Tampa area. But um, I now travel all over the country for luxury wedding planners who need help with day of execution. Wow. That is a lot. So, (laughs) and that's amazing. What a great story. And by the way, I love that quote um, to, you know, sort of become what you're wishing for or, Mm -hmm. yeah, I love that. I've seen that many times. So essentially you are a freelance wedding planner, which I think honestly, when you applied to be on the podcast, I was like, how curious I want to learn more. (laughs) Um, So Okay, let me let me see where to start here. First of all, congratulations on being engaged. I wanted oh, to make sure you. that I threw that out there for you. Um, so oh, I have so many questions. Do you, did you find when you were starting to freelance, for example, mm-hmm. did any of if you were you working for more than one wedding planner then in the same market? Uh, yeah, I, I when I started in in New York. 
um, I was working for a couple of different planners and this is before it was even a business. It was just me wanting to work in weddings while I was doing my nine to five job. I had met a planner. Her name is Rowie Mizrahi. She started in New York. She's actually since moved to LA and I was working for her. And then she was like, Hey, my great planner, Joe, my great friend, Joe Meyer, he needs help with you this day. Hey, my great friend, um, Jose Rolan, he needs you for this day. So not only was I working for other planners, but she was like sharing me and it was great because they were all friends. So it wasn't ever a competitive thing. Mm -hmm. It was like, Oh, Hey, you need Alexa this day. Okay, cool. Which is still the way that it works now. And it's great because it's freelance. So if they need me, that's great. But if not like, Hey, I have a bunch of other clients that need me for those dates as well. Fascinating. Because I think something that we hear of so often in the industry is, you know, this sort of, um, non-disclosure agreements. And if you're going to work for me, you can't work for anyone else. And what Mm -hmm. if you, you're going to see all my secrets and all of my processes. And what if you share them with someone else? And it sounds like you really had the luxury of being in uh, going through an experience where there wasn't that fear or they were at it. I would say probably they're at such a high level that that is no longer a fear for them. Would you agree? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I still have clients that I will have, I have no problem signing a non-disclosure for that. They have super, um, you know, they have super luxury clients, celebrities and C-level executives and um, ones where you really need to have, um, you know, a super high level of seek, not secrecy. I'm, I'm, I can't think of the correct confidentiality. word. Confidentiality. Yeah. Yeah. Of confidentiality and, and also on their processes too. But the thing is that it doesn't benefit me in any way, shape or form to be like, Hey, Hey, planner a, this is what planner B is doing. Like it only, it only hurts me. So I would never dream of doing that. And I also have my own planning company where I have my own methods and I have my things that I do. And I would, of course, never blatantly copy anything that they're doing, but it's also, I'm always learning and I'm always growing and it's always um, a way for me to become better at what I do. I was going to say, you must have learned so much. Like what an incredible opportunity just to get to experience the way that different wedding planners uh, operate on their you know wedding weekends or whatever. It is. It's awesome to see how they do their final, you know, their final paperwork with their timelines um, and their floor plans. And when when I'm working with a team of other assistants, because so it's like, okay, what assistant A is doing this and assistant B is doing this and like how they break up the different tasks. So, yeah, it's really it's great to see how different planners operate for the, the actual weekend. So it sounds like, you know, you've been really successful doing this. Have you received any negative reaction from any wedding planners about this? Oh yeah, totally. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Um, and, and I'm very transparent about my fees and, um, my pricing and everything, which I'll, I'll go into. And this is the perfect segue into this conversation. So I am a part of what I, was still doing my planning, my own planning company, I had purchased a course on how to help you sell your business so that you are, your planners, I mean, your potential clients are understanding your value and then you're getting paid 
the most amount of money from them. Not in any sort of like cheesy or icky salesperson sort of way, just a very organic and natural way to sell yourself and your services so that you're getting paid fairly. So I'm, so in said face in said group, I had written in, um, Hey, other planners, I am marketing myself as a day of assistant. My rate is $500 for an eight hour day. What do you think about this pricing? And I thought it was a good idea to ask them because they're in different geographical areas. They are, um, work with different types of clients. So I was like, okay, let me, let me try this out. And the outrage that I got, what do you mean? How, how do you think you can charge that much? I pay my assistants $20 an hour. And I was like, okay, this, I was like, these are obviously not my clients Mm -hmm. and they're not my clients because they're in the same boat as me. They have also purchased this planning, uh, this selling software, not software, this selling program to help them sell because they are also looking for better clients. So of course they're not going to want to pay this, you know, $500 a day. And once I got that, I realized, okay, these are not my clients. I know who my clients are. They are the, um, you know, super luxury New York, Miami, LA clients who are working with weddings that cost $500,000, that cost $750,000, that cost a million dollars. Those are my clients. Amazing. So, okay. So you talk about your pricing a little bit here and Mm -hmm. I am a huge advocate for, of course, you know, charging what you're worth and really being able to sell your value. So what, give us your spiel. What is your value? Like, how do you explain that to a potential client? So I, like I had explained to you too, I've been working in the wedding industry for over 10 years now, starting from the first wedding experience that I got, I was working with, um, a luxury planner on Long Island who was working at Ohika castle where Nick Jonas got married, um, and to the garden city hotel. So these are, I started my career in luxury. So mm-hmm. I basically know no other, no other way. Yeah. Um, one of the benefits of hiring me versus hiring and let's say like an intern, if you're just looking for day of help is that an intern probably doesn't have much experience. Yeah. Um, there are benefits to having an intern, like you don't have to pay them or if you only need them for the day, they're just there for the day. But why would you want to do that to a client? That's just, that's about to spend three quarters of a million dollars on their, uh, you know, on their wedding day. That's, mm-hmm. that's kind of a big risk that you are taking. Um, so I would say that I'm used to working with that luxury clientele. Um, I know troubleshooting for the day of on the wedding, you know, what to do in any problem situation. And also when you're dealing with that super luxury client, they, um, I like to say they're like a different breed. So just knowing how to handle them personality wise too. So it sounds like in addition to the experience that you have, you know, you've really solidified your positioning in the market and have that experience. And you're right. 
luxury clients are different um, in some ways that are it's difficult to explain and teach to mm-hmm. someone really. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sounds like you've really created that niche for yourself. So at what point do you typically come into the fold? Like when are you called in? Is it typically just the day of or does it vary? Yeah, it it varies. So most frequently I'm there for the actual so like the um maybe some production for Friday, Friday morning, Friday afternoon, um then being on site for the ceremony rehearsal, the rehearsal dinner, the day of the wedding and then um if needed like you know, the brunch on Sunday morning, if they're having one and I'll get the timeline floor plan, um, all of those worksheets and items, um, you know, whenever the planner sends them out to me, just so I have a general idea of like what I'm working with. So that's at like the very minimum where it's like one to two weeks. Okay. Here's the timeline. Here's what's going on for the weekend. This is what you're going to be doing. Um, then something, a new concept that I am going to be open to as well, um, is if a planner has booked a wedding and it is their second one of the weekend. And like, let's say if they're a one woman show and they've now like double booked themselves, um, coming in a little bit sooner and having like an intro meeting with the clients, maybe do like one or two production meetings with them in between. And then of course being there for, um, ceremony rehearsal and then day of wedding. So that's something that I'm open to, um, doing as well, which I've done, um, two times before now and, and has worked out. So that's something that I'm, I'm doing as well. That's amazing. Okay. So do you have any challenges personally? And I think that this must be a skill set that you've really developed to mm-hmm. adjusting to all of these different processes and ways that different planners, you know, run their business when it comes to being on site at weddings. Has that been a learning curve for you? It must, you must be so flexible and nimble to be able to adapt. Yeah. Luckily, um, a lot of, it's and it's the same way as like when you work with a bride and groom how like you vibe with them and you kind of have the same um personality and you have the same sort of like corporate culture um the same thing goes for the planners that I work with too if if I know beforehand like we work together we have a certain rapport um that you know in conversation and emails so it's pretty i would yeah i would say i'm i'm pretty adaptable to the different um planner personality types and the way that they operate do you find that the creative partners that are on site do they respond well to having you in that role i'm assuming like the lead planner would obviously communicate who you and any other assistants are. Um, have you ever sort of run into the same creative partners working for different planners and how do they feel about it? Yeah, yeah, I have. And, um, it's, it's great. I mean, there, it's so funny. Like I did, I did have one more recently where she's like, didn't you work for when I was, this was in South Florida. And she's like, wait, weren't you working for the hotel? And now you're working for Trina, who's like another planner. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, um, you know, I'm, I, I was doing that and now I'm doing this. So yeah, there's, there's been a really nice positive, um, response from other creatives and other vendors. 
Okay. That's amazing. Okay. So another question I have, all of these questions are like totally popping into my head as we're talking. (laughs) So, um, do you miss having that intimate relationship with the client? I know you said that you're still doing your own wedding, so that probably helps, but do you ever feel like there's something missing there? No, because I love the relationship that I have, the business to business relationship with my planners. Um, I take that, you know, I nurture those relationships and I, it's something so important to me that they entrust in my services with their clients. And then also typically on the day of, I think it's also just because of my personality that I'm super open and bubbly and friendly, that it's a very quick, as long as the client is that way too, where it's a very quick transition of like, oh, okay, this is Alexa. She's going to be with me. Like for example, if I'm the bride's assistant, like she's going to be with me the whole day. It's almost like there was never anything missing. It's like, I wasn't missing from the beginning. I was there the whole entire time. So as long as the client is in that same personality type, it's pretty seamless. That sounds like such a great benefit too to the planner to know that they have someone who um, is able to really connect easily with clients and have that mm-hmm. sort of bubbly personality and and make that connection right away. So I think that that's you know that's also part of the value of of who you are and how you're a perfect fit for this role. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. And on the on the flip side of it too, I was um, interviewing with a planner who was wanting to try me out for one of her potential clients where she had double booked for the weekend and the bride and I had a FaceTime. And from the beginning, I knew like, okay, I'm not really vibing with her. I don't feel that instant spark Mm -hmm. and maybe this isn't going to work out. And not to my surprise, she was like, you know, they want somebody who is more familiar with the venue or some other excuse. And I was like, you know what? That's okay. Because I didn't feel that I didn't feel that vibe with her. So maybe this is, you know, this has worked out for the better. I think that that's really important because we talk quite often about how important that gut feeling is and how important that connection is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is no secret to anybody, but it's really hard sometimes, especially when you're a novice, for example, to Mm -hmm. be able to turn away business, but it's so critical and it's so important to have that connection, right? Yeah, absolutely. And typically if I have a good, now this was a new planner who I never worked with before, Mm -hmm. but for my planners that I've, you know, are my continued clients and I've worked with them many times before, if I have a good rapport with them, they obviously have a good rapport with their client. It's very rare that I'm not also going to have that immediate spark with their client as well. Absolutely. What are some of the challenges that you've uh, encountered doing this and how have you overcome them? So I would say one um, one of the challenges definitely as far as like finding new clients and being able to offer my services, um, around the country, which is really what I'm trying to do is 
that I can travel. It's like, oh, well, they're like, I don't see, you know, them not seeing the clients not seeing the planner, planner clients, not seeing the benefit of, well, why am I going to fly an assistant, you know, halfway across the country? Or, I mean, if they don't have the budget for it, that, that obviously makes sense. But the same way as when I was trying to sell planning services to brides and grooms, also just being able to sell the benefit of why you should hire a professional freelancer rather than just having an intern for the day. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And it goes right to the heart, I think, of one of the bigger challenges in our industry, which we touched upon earlier, which is being able to really communicate your value. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think even judging from the way you talk about it, you're you're quite good at it. I'm sold. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I could definitely see how that would be a sort of a, a, a mental barrier almost to your potential clients. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, you're probably going to get pushback, but I imagine also though, you have, you probably have impeccable references, right? You have a ton of, of references of people who will probably stand up and say 100% she's worth it. Yeah. Luckily, yes, I have. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to take a look at my website too, on my, who I've worked with page. I have, uh, some reviews and, um, what people I've worked with are saying about me and working with me. So I'm very, very grateful for them saying all of those very nice things about me. <laughs> awesome. So that leads me to another question. Do you, you most likely don't get access to any of the portfolio work, right? Because technically they're not your wedding, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. do you find that that's a challenge or is it just not part of your um, marketing strategy? <laughs> It's no, it's not. I don't find that not having, you know, access to be able to have photos or anything. It's not really what I'm trying to sell. It's not like I'm I'm trying to sell my flowers to a bride and she needs to see, Oh, look, look at all the other flowers that she's done. Um, I, for me, the most important thing is the reference or the review that I get from another planner saying working with Alexa, it was a really great experience. She was really great at X, Y, and Z. Um, that has a lot more weight to me than photos from a wedding because it doesn't show my work. So it, it doesn't mean as much. That's really important. And I am going to sort of sum that up again, because I hear from a lot of assistants who uh, are frustrated, perhaps, because mm-hmm. they don't, the, they're, you know, the lead planner, the owner of the company won't provide them with photos. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my stance on, stance on this has always been, you know, we have a team of, of five people on our wedding planning team. And I've mm-hmm. always said, you know, you're, you're a representative of my company and my work. And if you want to gain work as an assistant with other people, I will 100% write you a reference, mm-hmm. but understand what you're selling. And you're not selling, you know, the design work, which of course you didn't do. You're not right. selling the florals or even necessarily your setup skills because we typically have a separate crew do that. So I think it's so great that you've really maximized what it is you do and what your skill set is and learned how to market that in a way that let's be honest, the wedding industry is so visual, so it can be challenging, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the reference and the referral from another planner. I mean, yeah, you, you nailed it. Like I don't, I I can tell you, or they can tell you that I know how to set a table correctly, but 
for me, a planner, like another planner doesn't need to see the photo of the setup table. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. The words mean so much more than the photos. Absolutely. So <laughs> what's your favorite part about what you do? Two things. Love the traveling aspect which um, I get to see all different sorts of venues uh, across the country. I've worked at, um, you know, the Breakers in Palm Beach. In the fall, I'm headed to the Cloisters at Sea Island, which I've heard amazing things about, and I cannot wait to see. Um, I'm also headed to San Francisco in the fall doing a wedding at um, City Hall there. So number one definitely is getting to see all the different venues across the country because I love love that part. And then, um, building, building business to business relationships, building, um, you know, those relationships with other planners and seeing how they operate their business. Um, I really, I I love that part. Working with other professionals really makes me happy. I can imagine. So have you, do you go to conferences and network yourself or, um, do you have sort of an opportunity? I mean, conferences are such a great opportunity to have so many people in the same room. Um, mm-hmm. have you ever attended engage, for example, is that part of your strategy? So yes, it is. And I have a vision board and engage is on it. I, <laughs> it is, it is my like end all be all, um, dream conference to attend and, um, I'm hoping within the next year I'll be able to get there because I know, I mean, even after stalking myself and uh, speaking with Megan from um, uh, Megan Ely, who has spoken there and she's attended, she was like, those are where your people are at. Those are where your clients are at. And I'm like, I know I need to get there. So it is, it is on the list. It is my, my number one, most important one. And I've sort of pushed all the other ones to the side because I feel like that's the number one that will get me there the quickest, you know, to where I want to be the, the fastest. Yeah, definitely. Cause I was just thinking to myself, I was like, Oh my goodness, Alexa, like all of your target market mm-hmm. is in one place mm-hmm. and it would be so yeah. perfect for you. Right. And not just from a, a sales perspective, but from, mm-hmm. you know, a relationship building perspective and you'd probably run into lots of planners that you already know. And it just sounds like it would be so much fun. Absolutely. It is. I mean, it's definitely, definitely on my list. And, and previously I've attended other conference conferences and workshops. I went to the school of styling. I've been to LVL Academy, which is out in, um, um, the girls from Heather and Megan from, um, no, sorry, Heather and Lindsay from LVL events put on LVL Academy, um, which I've attended and is amazing. So I've done a couple. I do like, you know, if Wedding Wire or the Knot have like a pro workshop or, or a mixer or something, I'll go to those. But yeah, Engage is definitely like my number, number one that I want to go to. <laughs> oh, so what do you, so is your title freelance wedding planner or do you call yourself a professional wedding assistant or what do you, what have you titled yourself? Cause it does doesn't really exist that much, right? So what do you call yourself? Um, I call myself a luxury freelance wedding coordinator. Awesome. I love that. (laughs) So if someone out there is listening and they're thinking to themselves, you know what, this sounds perfect for me because what I find the more wedding pros I work with and, and particularly in the wedding planning industry 
not everybody wants to own their own business. Mm-hmm. Not everybody, like people, I didn't when I started, that was not mm-hmm. my plan. My plan was to go work for another wedding planner. But as we know, those jobs are really few and far between. And you end up saying, okay, if I can't find work, then I'm going to create my own work, which I think is great. But not everybody loves that or wants to do that or has the skill set. And so this concept I think is really brilliant. And it, I would say probably doesn't have to be at the luxury luxury level. Of course, they mm-hmm. have to you know decide who their target audience is too. But what advice would you give to them? What experience should they get before jumping into something like that? Definitely, just before starting, you know, trying to freelance because freelance for any industry is not easy. Um, do exactly what I did. Go cold call or email a bunch of planners and say, "Hey, I know that you can't." you know, you may not be able to hire me full time and that's okay, but, um, let me shadow, let me intern, let me assist, let me, um, you know, be there on the day of so that they can really get real life experience, see all the things that could go wrong on a wedding day and what's the best way to fix them. Just get in front of clients, get in front of planners also. And this is part of, um, my intro and and what I say about what I do is like, there is no job too big or small that you won't do. So whether you are, whether you get assigned to clean the toilets or (laughs) send the bride down the aisle, like be willing to do it all with a smile on your face. Um, be kind to every single person that you meet and, um, you know, just, just be willing to do any, anything and that will get you super far. Be kind, do anything. Those are my two, two words of advice. Okay. And I want to reiterate this because I think that there are some really important things that you've just mentioned that I actually hear, um, I hear people struggling with a little bit. And so what Mm -hmm. I'm hearing for you, first of all, is that you are not afraid to hustle. And I know everyone that that's considered like a not so great word these days, but I love it because (laughs) you, you know, we can't, we can't put our marketing out there and sit back and wait for the phone to ring. That is not how business happens. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that you are proactive and you are putting yourself out there and you are, you know, okay with the fact that some people are going to say no, that is sales 101, right? Like you can't let Mm -hmm. the no's stop you. You have to turn them into, okay, maybe I'll contact you again or whatever it's going to be and keep pushing and keep hustling until you get a yes, because one yes will lead to another yes. We all absolutely, right? The other thing is you saying do anything makes me, I let out a little giggle because (laughs) I think the second wedding I ever was hired to do as a wedding planner, um, the client, it was a, a month of, although at the time I called it day of because I didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. And that was where I got into trouble because it turned out she actually had us confused with being a caterer. Like she had no real concept of what a wedding planner was. And when I showed up with two of my assistants who were also just my friends, by the way, Mm -hmm. and she literally was like, "Uh, we need you to serve all of the booze to all of the, the uh, guests here, clear up all the bottles. We need you to serve all the food and clear all the tables. And we were out in like an acreage in the middle of nowhere. And there were so many bugs. That's what I remember. So many bugs. (laughs) And then she was like, Oh, and we're having a pig spit and you need to like carve the pig and like then the barbecue broke and so my friend just happened to be really handy and she was like fixing the barbecue and were we miserable oh my gosh we were so 
<laughs> miserable. But you know what we did? We put big smiles on our faces and I said, we are wearing like name tags with my business name on it. So we are going to represent and we are going to make this the best catering experience that these people have ever had. And we got through it with a big smile. And then they referred us to someone else who I then, by the way, had to explain that, no, we're not actually caterers. But I think it's so important to not be too especially when you're starting, don't feel like you're too good to do something Mm -hmm. because people notice when you do those, you know, awful tasks that no one else wants to do. Then, you know, the number of times I've cleaned up vomit, I'm just going to say that and, you know, move dirty diapers and, Oh, it's incredible. But when you're a yes person, people notice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not, it's not always glamorous and no, People think it is for some insane reason. I don't know why. It's like literally the least glamorous job ever. Um, maybe because it is such a visual industry. So everybody sees the flowers and the beautiful tablescape and the bride and the groom and they're smiling and they're happy. But it's like little do they know there's like you and I with like sweating, carrying like everybody else's stuff because for some reason I always end up carrying everybody's things. So, you know, I know you, you know how it is. Mm -hmm. So just, (laughs) well, I think think that's so important. I love that you're saying it's not that glamorous and, and the number of people that I've mentored in the industry that once they realize that they're like, Whoa, Mm -hmm. what is this awful job? And my feet are bleeding with blisters and like, uh, my back hurts and I'm schlepping chairs and what is mm-hmm. this job you people do? And yep. it just isn't glamorous, but you have to be willing to do all that. And eventually, it, you know, for most of us, we'll get to a point where we can hire people on our team right. to take care right. of some of that stuff. But realistically, it's just, you have to be willing to do anything. And the be kind part, I think bears repeating because you never know which guest is a potential client mm-hmm. or, or, you know, the sister, sister of someone important or you just never know. So I think that's really important that no matter, sometimes it's hard. We know, we know, right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there are guests that make it hard for us to be kind all the time, mm-hmm. but or vendors or vendors. Or other vendors. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Don't even get me started on that one. Um, <laughs> I, you know, in all joking aside, because most of the vendors I work with are amazing and they're probably of listening course. now going, what is she talking about? Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, we've all been there and, and finding a way to be really professional under pressure, I think is so key. Absolutely. It's a, it's a highly emotional day for everybody, for the family, for the bride and groom, for all of the vendors, for everybody. And it's so funny. Like Everybody on a wedding day, whether it's the mother of the bride or the groom's sisters, cousins, dogs, babysitter, <laughs> like they think it's their day. It's it's always <laughs> like it's always their day. So you have to treat every single person like it's their wedding day because whether it's the actual bride and groom or somebody so far removed from them, they still feel like it's their day. So also just remembering that as well. Definitely. And of course, all of these people are guests of the bride and groom. And if you treat them badly, you can guarantee it's going to get back to the client, right? And not just the bride and groom client or the bride and bride client or the groom and groom client, but it might get back to your client, which is the wedding planner. And that 
will not be good for business. No, definitely not. So whether you're, whether I'm, you, you know, my, they're my, it's my couple or my client's couple, you know, be kind with a smile on your face, do all the things. Those are my rules that I live by. So that actually, our, our chat here has brought up a point in my head. And a lot of times in the Wedpreneur community, we talk about um, respect clauses. Have you ever been in a situation and do your planners that you're working for have clauses like that to protect you on site from badly behaving guests, for example? Luckily, I have never had to deal with this, um, except for there was one, there, there was one instance where I would say it sort of almost crossed the line where, um, the mother of the bride where this, this was an instance where I was hired to do some, um, guest list management beforehand, uh-huh. uh, where the mother of the bride was getting a little verbally, like starting to cross the line of like verbally, you know, inappropriate, abusive. And the planner stepped in was like, you are not going to talk to her that way. She is not, you know, she works for me. She does not work for you. You cannot speak to her that way. Um, so yes, my planner's my planner clients are very protective of me. Luckily, nothing like that has happened since then. That was probably the worst in- instance of it. So we're we're all good on that front. Oh, interesting. And I love that you said that your planners are protective of you because I feel like as you know, someone who has assistants working at weddings too, I feel very much the same way. Like mm-hmm. you talk to my staff badly, like you're going to have to deal with me because yes, I'm not putting up with that at all either. Yeah, no, like I don't, and the same thing for my, when I do my own weddings with my own couples, yeah, same thing. I'm super protective of my assistants. Like if you are going, same thing, you know, you, you come to me, you don't speak to them that way. So, yeah, this has been amazing. What, what's your long-term goal? What is your vision for your company? How do you see it growing into the future? I love, I love this question so much. Um, (laughs) I, I started this in the thoughts of like, hey, photographers do this all the time. Like photographers second shoot for each other all the time. And it's like a very seamless, like makes sense thing for photographers. So I was like, why can't planners do this? So that's kind of how this whole thing was born. Mm -hmm. Um, And then to take that a step further, as I build this, as I build great relationships with different planners across the country. I would love to morph this into more of like a staffing company still run by me though. All of the assistants, basically I'll just have little mini me's eventually (laughs) where they will go through like a super intense training course on the actual details of weddings and then also um, dealing with different personality types. Now, of course, there are traits that you can teach and then there are traits that um, and skills that are just inherent and you just either you get it or you don't. So the first step for me would be obviously finding assistants who ha- who inherit those and then just teaching them the other side of it, you know, teaching them like floor plans and BEOs and timelines and all of those things. Um, and then 
at that point have built um, really solid relationships with planners and then just say, hey, Alexa, I need an assistant. Um, Can you please fly out somebody to DC for the weekend. (laughs) Hey, Alexa, I need somebody in LA. Can you please send me, you know, um, two assistants for the weekend and just sort of running, um, you know, running the schedule, making sure everybody is fully educated all the time and training. So that's, that's where I see this going. I love that idea so much. That sounds so innovative (laughs) to me. And the more that I think about, what I've heard from other planners and, you know, I think having qualified, talented, experienced assistants is such a pain point for so many of us mm-hmm. that I think that that would go off like gangbusters. I can't wait to see it. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love that. That's, that makes me so happy to hear. And I, and also to speaking on what you just said, like, most of us, I mean, for me in my own planning company, like I'm a one woman show. Mm-hmm. I can't afford to have somebody full time. So I think a lot of us planners start out that way. You're, you're a one woman show and you just need a little bit of help. You need experienced help. And, and to be able to provide that, to be of service to the industry, that is why I do this. Amazing. Alexa, where can our audience find you? Yeah, so um, my website with all of my information, my availability, who I've worked with, my services, my pricing um, is alexacritis.com. I can be reached. My email is hello at alexacritis.com. Feel free to follow me on Instagram. Same thing, alexacritis. And um, yeah. Awesome. And I will link to all of that in our show notes at thewedpreneur.com. Alexa, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Take care. You too. Bye. Hey guys, it's me again. How much fun was that? I am so taken by Alexa's personality and her enthusiasm and passion for her work. There's a few takeaways that I just want to cover with you really quickly because I was taking so many notes while she was talking. Um, Her enthusiasm is so contagious. I'm so excited for her. But what I really love, and I mentioned this at the top of the show, is that she created a role for herself in this industry, identified her target market, and she really went for it. And that is such an inspiring story of going after your dreams. I, for one, cannot wait to see what the future holds for her. The other thing that I really love is she's so fearless about reaching out and putting herself out there and talking about what she does for a living and telling people about her services. And that is a guaranteed way to eventually experience success. Yes, there's going to be so many no's all the time, but eventually there's going to be yeses. And every yes that you get is the potential for another yes as her referral base grows. And it sounds like she's already experienced so much in this industry and there's so much power to understanding the value that you can bring to your clients, whether your clients are a couple or other wedding planners. It's a true, truly inspiring story of entrepreneurship. Um, If you want to reach Alexa, I really encourage you to do so. I will list uh, a link to her website as well as her Instagram account and her email on my website. Please don't hesitate. She mentioned to me after the show that she's more than happy to uh, answer any of your questions and chat with you about what she does. So don't hesitate to reach out and connect with her. She's such a lovely, lovely human being. I had so much fun speaking with her. 
So that is all for the show today. I hope you enjoyed it. I would love to hear your feedback. So don't hesitate to leave a review on iTunes or send an email to me directly. You can reach me personally at mary at thewedpreneur.com or you can email our support team at podcast at thewedpreneur.com. You can also, of course, find me in the Wedpreneur community on Facebook. If you just go to thewedpreneur.com forward slash join, it will link you right to our Facebook group. Thank you so much for being here today and we will see you next week. Thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of the Wedpreneur Podcast. I'm so incredibly grateful to all of my listeners and would like to take a moment to invite you to keep the conversation going. Head on over to my free online community at thewedpreneur.com forward slash join. If you enjoyed this episode, help us spread the word by leaving us an honest review on iTunes. I appreciate each and every one of you and welcome your feedback. Until next time.